This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Okay, all right, all right. Enough of all that friendly stuff. Hello, hello, hello. All right. All right, 100%. Good morning, church. I love you guys. Uh, I tell you what, this week, if you weren't here, Trunk or Treat was a huge success. Yes, it was awesome. I saw so much creativity. Um, You know, Dan and Trinity had the big truck out with a big spider web coming down and a huge spider on it, which I hate spiders, but it was so cool. We, man, it was, we had Knights of the Round Table. We had Hulk and Captain America, and they even had a fire pit. It was so awesome. And uh, I had a Batman car. Yes, yes. It was so much fun. We had great people coming through, and man, there was this one guy that came through, and he was a grandfather. He came through with his entire family, and he was just so thankful that a church would put on something like this so that he felt like it was safe for his kids so that they could run around and he wasn't having to keep such a tight eye on them. And, and he was so thankful for all the candy because church, when we asked for candy, you showed up. (laughs) There was kids coming by. The parents hated me, but there were kids that were coming by and I was like, get as much as you want. And the kids evidently had been taught well by their parents because they're grabbing like one or two or three. And I'm like, look, let me show you how to do this. <laughs> and the parents' eyes are this big around. It's like you still got 20 more cars to go. They're walking out to their cars like this. But anyway, all that candy. And I think somebody told me, Miss Mary, if I'm right here, I think somebody told me we had over 20 pounds of candy left over. So if you have a chocolate binge urge, See me after church, and we'll, we'll see what we can do for you, all right? Hoorah. Can we give it up for the worship team this morning? Man, they did such a phenomenal job. And, um, man, listening to the girls read that reading, wasn't that powerful? So powerful. I'm just so thankful this morning. So, anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump in for what he has for us today. So, Father, I come before you, and I'm so thankful for this day. Father, I'm thankful for the rain that we had. I'm thankful for the beautiful fall colors that are showing up everywhere now. Father, you're amazing. I thank you for your love. Father, I thank you for your love for this church and for the individuals in this church. I thank you for your presence. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't do this, but she's going to hate me for it, but that's going to be okay. Bonnie, would you stand up over here? This is Lori's mom. Please, please stand up. Yes, Lori's mom is here today. Yes. So we have been taking her everywhere in anywhere in Sonoma County, and she had the same response that we did the first time that Pastor Ron took us to the beach. I was like, Where are the beaches? Because all I see is farm fields, right? And then all of a sudden, it just opens up into glory, and it is so amazing. So 
we've had a great time, right? So she flies back on Tuesday. She's looking forward to the ride back in traffic with me. <laughs> Pray for her. I've, I've threatened her. I would take her in the Mustang if she wanted to. I don't know if that's going to go too well. But anyway, hoorah. All right. Well, today we are going to continue a series that we've been in now for several weeks. We've been talking about this idea of unstoppable. And there's two. Where, oh, I'm pausing. We have our global traveler back. Pastor Ron, he is back in town. Yes. Sorry, my brother, my brain slipped a gear. I told him to make sure he signs a connect card so that we, we can register his visit. But, uh, and, and yeah, so anyway, by the way, about the connect cards, I know sometimes people go, yeah, but do they really pray for those cards? We really do. I personally pray for those cards twice a week. I pray for them on Mondays, and I pray for them on Thursdays, and I pray the entire list. So please use those cards. We're praying for you. Amen? Amen. All right. So now back to Unstoppable. We are in this teaching series called Unstoppable, and there's only two forces in our entire universe that, are un- that is unstoppable. One is God. God cannot be stopped, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Exactly. That's something that we all ought to celebrate in here. And the second thing that is unstoppable, if we choose to be, is the church. The church, if it chooses to follow Jesus, be obedient to Jesus and love Jesus and live the life of Jesus for others to see, the church is unstoppable. We've seen this throughout history. But it's a choice that we have to make, right? And sometimes there's things that get in the way that kind of shortcut us and we end up being stopped. And last week we talked about tribalism versus love. And today we're going to talk about one that in the beginning, it's going to seem like such a small thing, but if you've lived long enough and and, and I'm 51 and pastor's age and dog years. So pastor Ron is the oldest dude in the church. (laughs) Nobody got that. Get it? Dog years? Like I'm 150, but he's like 300. But anyway, (laughs) if you live long enough, you will recognize that this one is one of the most difficult things. And it's such a small thing, but yet it does so much damage. And that's bitterness. Bitterness can absolutely ruin us. As a pastor, and I've been in ministry now for over 29 years, it's I have seen hundreds, if not thousands of lives ruined because of bitterness. Bitterness is one of those things that once it grabs a hold of us, it costs us way more than we're willing to pay. And so today we're going to look at how to deal with bitterness and what we need to choose instead in order to keep us moving in an unstoppable way. Amen? All right, so let's look at a few slides here. This will help us out. So, bitterness. Now, because I'm such a computer tech guy, underneath here it says bitterness. I see bitterness everywhere. So, you just have to just imagine seeing that there. But bitterness, next one. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe you're still bitter. You know, because the butter. I can't believe this is. All right, all right. The next one. <laughs> When introducing his wife, I see you've met my bitter half. 
I drove separately today. It's all good. All right. So anyway, bitterness. Bitterness is a tough one. And, you know, this this last week, I, I was really, as I was thinking about today's teaching and prepping for it, I was really asking myself one question. Is it possible for organizations to become bitter? And the answer to that question is yes. Why? Because we can become bitter. And when we become bitter, we make the organizations that we belong to bitter. And it's tough. It's hard to get out of. That's why those of us in leadership, whether it's in church or else place, we got to make sure we don't have bitterness. Amen? So I want us to look today. We're going to look at bitterness versus forgiveness. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is fairly popular, but I want to bring some things forward out of it. So let's look at this passage of Scripture in Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But do you notice that the peace came before the holy? Are are you with me? You can't be at war with yourself and others and project holiness. Amen? So without holiness, no one can see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no what? Bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Next slide. So before we jump into those statements, I I want us to understand the context here. So the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, he begins that chapter talking about a race. He says that we are all running a race, but it's not a sprint. It's a what? Marathon. It's, It's really long, right? Amen? It's a really long race. And one of the things he says is, is, look, we're running this race, so you have to be careful to throw out every weight or everything that hinders you, right? And one of the things that, that comes out in this passage of Scripture, the writer of, of this passage of this book actually talks about the fact that if we're to throw off weights that slow us down, one of the first things he names is bitterness, Because my brothers and my sisters, bitterness is an incredible weight to carry around with us. It will destroy our soul. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews says here that, listen, be careful that this doesn't take effect. So when he talks about, when the writer talks about peace, I love this statement by Augustine. Now, Augustine was one of our church fathers that God really used um, to give us some great ideas and some great theology and ideas around Scripture. He says this, we are to strive for the kind of peace that results in the absence of vengeance. That's powerful. That is the result of mutual forgiveness and encouraging peace. Such a powerful statement. Right now, we are all seeing nonstop, whether on television, hearing it on radio, social media, it doesn't matter. We are being bombarded with imagery of war, aren't we? And guess why that war is being fought? Bitterness that leads to vengeance. Now you're saying, Shane, that's an oversimplification. No, it's not. Bitterness has taken root in the nation's 
And that bitterness is driving people towards vengeance and retribution and violence and hate and anger and all of those things. It's all because of bitterness. My brothers and my sisters, bitterness is no laughing matter. As a matter of fact, I was reading a book once written by Rick Joyner, and Rick said that Satan has an advanced unit military unit that drives wedges so that the greater sins can come through. Guess which one of the first ones are is bitterness. Bitterness creates massive holes for the enemy to steal from us. And so we have to choose. We have to choose peace, but not not peace in the absence of conflict. It's peace in the middle of conflict. And it's so powerful that we're choosing mutual forgiveness. Isn't that powerful? Powerful statement. Verse 15. This idea when it says that bitterness takes root and it corrupts, the idea is contamination. How many of you are in here kind of like science nerds? Oh, come on. There's got to be more of you than that. Raise your hands. All right. Awesome, awesome. I'm, I'm joking when I call you nerds. I love science. I just didn't do it. I'm just... But... You know, when your teacher was trying to talk to you about things and and sometimes they would take oil and they would drop in water or they would take a color and drop in and it would kind of change the whole thing or the oil sinks to the bottom and pushes. You know what I'm talking about? It's weird, but that's actually the picture of what bitterness brings. Bitterness contaminates everything. It changes everything everything about you. What do we know about bitterness? It'll cut your life short. It will give you diseases. It will destroy your peace. It will isolate you. And if you don't deal with it, the longer you stay there, guess what? It starts to rub off on your spouse. Starts to rub off on your children. And then your family takes it out. And they're just the blessing giving bitterness everywhere. (laughs) And that bitterness just continues to grow. Church, we have to be vigilant. If new life wants to be unstoppable in the ways of Jesus, we have to make sure that bitterness doesn't show up here. Amen? We have to make sure to cut it out. Why? Because it's it's a cancer And if left unchecked, the enemy will use it to destroy us, to ruin our effectiveness. And so the writer here is saying what? Make every effort to embrace peace, mutual forgiveness of each other. And be careful that you don't allow bitterness to contaminate you or anyone else. So we have to be vigilant. Let's look at what Ephesians says. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says this. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a what? Foothold, an advantage to the devil. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. Next one. 
So I want us to look at this anger. Well, what, what kind of anger is this? This is, this is like the quick anger. How many of you have ever been wronged by somebody before? Or had somebody hurt your feelings before, right? Everyone in the room should have been raising their hands. If you didn't, I'm going to let you talk to Jesus about lying. But anyway, <laughs> there, is, there is this idea that we all get angry. We all do. I do. I actually get angry. I know you don't believe that. But I actually get angry. And I think what we have to realize is that we are all human. And so if your goal is never to be angry, you're going to fail. (laughs) Because it is a human emotion given to us by God. It's a sign that something's wrong. Right? It's kind of like, you know, when you're driving down the road and you see those annoying yellow lights pop up. It's warning you that you're about to have to what? Stop. Now, dudes in the room, I don't know about you, but I can't stop fast enough or far enough for my wife. You know, stop. stop. Anyway, nobody gets me. But anyway, it's kind of one of these things that lets us know that something's wrong, that something's out of whack. And and so it's, it's, it's actually a good thing that we experience it, but it's a bad thing if we let it take us to a bad place, right? So what does he say here? Anger is a response from being wronged or wounded, but it should be the kind of anger that quickly becomes just an annoyance. Quickly becomes just an annoyance. How many of you in here like to smoke meat? All right, a lot of us. How many of you like to eat smoked meat? Okay, far more of us. All right, cool. So, you know, sometimes when you're smoking meat and and if you're doing it the old-fashioned way like I do, you're using charcoal and you're using wood chips and all of that kind of stuff to really lay down that heavy smoke flavor. Oh, man, that brisket. I'm getting hungry. Uh <laughs> It's so amazing. But man, have you ever gotten a bad a bag of bad charcoal? And it just won't light right. And it just won't keep the heat. Anybody have that problem besides me? Oh, thank the Lord it wasn't user error. Uh, but man, it can get really upsetting, especially if you've got a 14-hour long smoke in front of you, right? It can be annoying. Well, that's the kind of anger talking about here. It's an annoyance. Don't let it become anything else but an annoyance. Be careful. Then what does he say? Don't let the sun go down and still be angry. Actually, Paul is quoting in the Essenes. The Essenes were these group of, I want to call them like priest-like people that lived out in the desert, and they were so um, centered on living holy lives, and they had a practice of dealing with anger by the day's end. So they would say, if I'm, if I'm angry, if I'm upset, my job as your brother in Christ, or in this sense, as a brother, uh, you know, the Essenes, the camaraderie, my job is, is if I am angry with you, to deal with it by day's end. Why? Because they knew if you went to sleep with it, it's going to build. How many of you have those pretend conversations in your mind? Oh, man. And how come it ties to happen at nighttime, right? You go to bed, you shut your eyes, you just thank Jesus for a great day, and it kicks into gear, right? You start having these pretend conversations. And the next thing you know, if you haven't dealt with the anger, the next thing that happens is is it starts playing in our minds. 
and it starts ramping up and we're having conversations with a person that's not even in front of us, right? And we're getting angrier and angrier. And when we wake up in the morning, our peace is gone and we're ready to go fight them. Why? Because we didn't deal with the anger. It's not their problem. It's whose problem? Our problem, right? What do you say here? Paul's main concern is that we don't give Satan an opportunity to defeat us in our quest for love and unity. It is so easy to let anger take us to a very bad place. And what the writers of scripture are trying to tell us is this, is that if you guys don't stop, it's going to destroy you. And they lived in a very polarizing culture, just like we do, amen? It doesn't take long. It doesn't take 30 seconds to find something that makes us angry, right? And we're all walking around like the Incredible Hulks, you know, Hulk smash, you know, like, but yet God is saying, hey, there's a better way to live. There's a better way. I want us to look here. So bitterness in verse 31 is a root that produces these things, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil. Now, when we look at this, nobody says, yeah, let that be characteristics of my life. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody wants that. But Paul is warning the Ephesians and he's warning us that if we don't deal with bitterness, this is what your life is going to be like. And how many people want to hang out with people like that? We don't. We lose our influence over something simple of not controlling our anger and letting it become bitter. So next slide. Paul tells us to stop with the root of bitterness because it bears much worse fruit. Instead, he tells us to operate with a root of kindness that leads us to better fruit. Did you notice when I was reading it, it says, be kind, and then it started listing off of things after it, like tenderhearted, compassion. Are, are you with me? So see, what we have to do is we have to say, you know what, anger, I know you're there. You're telling me something's wrong, and I'm going to deal with what you're telling me. I'm not going to let it get to bitterness. And as a matter of fact, I'm choosing to operate in a completely different way than being bitter. I'm choosing to operate in kindness. I don't know about you, but have you ever had like anger at someone, you've been frustrated and they treat you kindly. Doesn't that make you just want to become a serial killer? <laughs> it, it is so tough. It makes us so angry, right? To be dealt with with kindness, but kindness is a beautiful thing and it diffuses situations. And so Paul is telling us here to make a conscientious decision to say no to bitterness and say yes to kindness. So what is the solution? Let's look at this. I want to give you a way forward. So today we have talked a lot about bitterness, but I want you to reflect back on what the worship team was leading us in this morning. Every psychologist, every single psychologist on the planet, counselor on the planet, psychiatrist on the planet, if you go to them and you talk to them about bitterness or the fruit that comes from bitterness, 
the very first thing they're going to tell you to do is practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to letting go of anger and bitterness. It's the only thing, actually, that is going to get us there is forgiveness. This morning, I was, I was listening to the worship team singing and practicing. I, I was tearing up a mess because Scripture says we're to forgive not just as humans forgive each other, but as Christ forgave us. As Christ forgave me, he wants me to forgive you. And as Christ forgave you, he wants you to forgive others. And what is the picture? Every single time, the Father's arms are open wide. Every single time, he brings us back. Every single time, he forgives us. I want to tell you about an exercise. I'm going to be really personal with you this morning and why this is so powerful for me. Um, when I was on Vancouver Island, I, I had this wonderful, wonderful lady in my life. Her name was Joy Brewster. And Miss Joy was a godsend. She, at the time, had been counseling longer than I had been alive. And she, I was in my 40s. And I remember one day going to her and she just, you know, I forgot I was sitting in front of a counselor. And she just started parting the wave. She was like Moses. And she just drove down into the heart of shame. And one of the things that she was helping me with, believe it or not, was prayer. I was struggling in my prayer life, and she was helping me. And she said, Shane, do you have a place where you meet Jesus? And I said, well, what, what do you mean? Like a physical place? And she says, no, a mental place, a place for you and Jesus. So we're going to talk about imagery. And so she said to me, she said, Shane, I want you to pray that Jesus would give you a place where the two of you can meet. Because imagination in scripture is the source of revelation. And so I prayed that simple prayer and the Lord answered it. And I remember sitting in prayer with him and I was just confessing. Man, I just felt even, I was so unworthy to even be there. And I was just confessing. And every single time he was just doing this. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? And then scripture hit me. I throw it over my shoulder and I never look at it again. I bury it in the deepest parts of the seas. And I don't dredge it up. And I tread it all underfoot. And Jesus just said to me as I was giving all this stuff to him, he's like, Shane, I've already forgiven it. This is a non-issue. He said, I just want to be with you. And it broke me. It broke me because for the first time in my life, even though I knew I was forgiven, I felt forgiven. <laughs> Does that make sense? And Jesus wants to do the same thing for all of us. You know, Maggie read this powerful statement where he said, where she said, forgiveness happens vertically 
before it happens horizontally. And I know there's some of us in this room and it's so easy for us to be one where we don't feel like there's been forgiveness. We don't feel like we're forgiven. And so it's very hard for us to then turn around and forgive. Isn't it? When we constantly feel like we're dragging, like in Pilgrim's Progress, this huge burden. And everywhere we go, we've got this huge burden of sin and it makes us bitter. But Jesus is going to tell you the same thing he told me. It's gone. It's forgiven. So this morning, I want us to try an exercise together. I want you to look at this passage of scripture. The, this psalm, the first six verses, I studied for six months. I couldn't, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. It was just so powerful. And the first verses, it says, the Lord knows me. He searched my heart. He knows my ways. He already knows everything about me. And what does it say? <laughs> His right hand, a blessing is on me. Already knowing everything about me, he's blessing me. He's in front of me on my journey and he's behind me protecting my back. And so this goodness, David says, this is too wonderful for me to know. What does he do with that? He says, what? Search me. Because God knew, but guess who didn't know? David didn't know. So he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Anxious thoughts here, we all know the word anxiety, but here this is talking about disquieting thoughts. Maybe it's the past that we keep ruminating on or it's the perceived wrongs that have been done to us or it's the bitterness that has crept up in us, the things that disturb our peace. He says, know my anxious thought and point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, some translations will talk about that it shows me the error of my way and that, that a way of pain, way of hurt, it it's actually could be translated um, the way of grief. And if we're not careful, grief can lead to what? Bitterness. Right? And so what he's saying here, David is saying, look, Lord, you know me. You already know me. But now I want you to search me and I want you to reveal it to me. Point out anything that's wrong. And then lead me in the path of everlasting life. So this morning, what we're going to do is, is something simple. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. But we're going to take a moment and just pause. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask you to sit with your hands on your lap open. And I'm just going to ask you to pray that simple prayer. Lord, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me that's causing me to be bitter? Is there anything in me that's wrong and out of error? And Jesus, I just want you to show that to me. 
And then once that happens, I'm going to ask you to just hand it to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then pray for peace and pray for love and pray for joy to be restored to your heart. Can we try that this morning? Whatever that is, we're just going to do it and we're going to do it in quiet in our seats. Everybody close their eyes and bow their heads and just hold your arms open, hold your hands open and just say that prayer and confess it. Church, watch what he does with what you give him. So Father, I come before you now. Father, I pray today that all of us, all of us would know the joy of forgiveness. That thing that haunts us, that thing that you've revealed to us. Father, I pray that we would give it to you right now and realize that you've dealt with it and you're never going to look at it again. So I pray, Father, that you would bring the freedom of being forgiven now. And Father, this week, as we go to our various places and spaces, we're going to be rubbing shoulders with people who have harmed us, who have wounded us, betrayed us, made us feel less than. Father, I pray that we would walk in the power of forgiveness. That we would set ourselves free and that we would set them free. Father, I pray that we would not choose bitterness, but we would choose kindness. That our life would permeate kindness. Father, I thank you for the answered prayers right now. You're answering prayers all over this auditorium. You're touching hearts all over this auditorium. You're freeing people (laughs) this morning from bitterness and anger. Father, I pray that we would be full of joy and full of hope of what you're going to do with us in the oncoming week. In your name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.